Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi everyone and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge from professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from NAM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about understanding home security tools with Rebecca Edwards, who is the lead reporter and safety expert at SafeWise. Hi, how are you? I am so well, very excited to chat with you about this today. Yep, very excited to talk to you. I think this is a really important topic. Um, but before we do get started with that, um, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit more so we can get to know you? Sure. Yeah, I didn't dream of becoming a safety expert when I was a little girl. Um, but uh, after years of being a single mom, I used to manage universities um, and colleges, so I had to be responsible for the safety of hundreds of students. Um, I decided to go back to my true love of writing, and I got the opportunity to, to work for this website. And um, it's interesting how once you start studying something, you can find a passion for it. And that's sort of what has happened for me with the whole idea of safety, because it touches every corner of our lives. And um, so I've sort of adopted the philosophy that safety is a lifestyle habit. And it's not just something that we do after something bad happens. And so I'm really a proponent of being proactive versus reactive. And so that's sort of the message that I like to share and help people create safer homes um, at your home and in your community. That's a really interesting um, philosophy, I guess, because we... I, I, I'm not particularly safe in my own home. Um, I think it's not particularly secure, but um, I'm sure that once something happens, I'll feel very different. But I love the, um, yeah, preparing rather than waiting for something to happen. Um, but uh, we also would like to get to, to know you a bit better with a section we call Have You Met Rebecca? Um, so uh, what is your favorite book? Favorites are very hard for me, but uh, books that I tend to reread on an annual basis are um, the Sherlock Holmes collections and uh, Jane Eyre. I like the moody, the moody environment in those in those books. I suppose. <laughs> mm -hmm. I tried reading the Sherlock Holmes books. I found them very hard to get into. <laughs> Any tips? <laughs> I think you maybe just have to have a little bit of a weird brain. <laughs> um, yeah, because I could read them again and again, and I don't know a lot of folks who can do that. But uh, I read Encyclopedia Brown as a child. I like solving the mysteries, I like looking for the clues. So, <laughs> Okay, I guess the mystery is what really gets you. Yeah. And what about a movie you've enjoyed recently? Well, I was trying to watch as many of the Oscar-nominated movies as I could, I did not succeed very well, but I really um, enjoyed the Banshees of Inisherin, even though I really wanted a happier ending, but I know that was like a very American thing for me to want. Uh, so it was still such an enjoyable, delightful and different uh, type of film to watch. Yes, I didn't get around to watching that um, yet, but I don't know. It looks, it looks interesting, but I'm not sure if it's the kind of movie I'll enjoy, but I guess... 
it must be good. I'll give it a go. My son did not want to see it, and I made him come with me, and then he made his wife see it, and he's ha- watched it like three other times with different people. So there's something about it. It's, it's not a feel-good movie necessarily, but there's something about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll, um, I'll watch it with my partner. <laughs> he was wanting to see it anyway. Well, there um, you go. And are you listening to any podcasts at the moment? Sadly, and since I've become a work-from-home person, I don't have as much opportunity to listen to podcasts. And being a writer, I can't listen to words while I'm writing words. Um, but when I get the chance to take the dog for a walk, I do like to listen to pop culture happy hour or uh, indulge in some true crime. And my two favorites there are a podcast called Morbid and My Favorite Murder. So. Um, strange that you would be drawn to true crime. <laughs> It is odd. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that explains uh, why you're into safety. Could be, could be. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a role model? <clears throat> I would say that my grandmother is probably my role model. Um, she mm-hmm. was just the most loving and accepting person, just purely loving and accepting, rolling with the times. And so many different things came up and she just embraced everything and everyone in, in this loving way. And I guess, you know, I would hope that I could be that for someone else as well. <laughs> and, you oh. know, she never left the house without her face on. Um, so she was bent very much into being the pretty woman as well as the kind woman. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, she sounds lovely. I think that's a really good role model. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and have you done a course that's inspired you? I would say I'm going to go way back for this one. And um, I took a course. It was a a test course for advanced placement in the U.S. um, for intensive journalistic writing when I was in high school. And my high school was one of five schools in the nation that got to test it out. And one of the books we read was In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. It was the first true crime thing I ever read. It started, the floodgates were opened. It not only just my interest in uh, journalism and telling a story in a certain way. Um, but the whole true crime genre. So I jumped on it a couple decades before everybody else. And now everybody knows how old I am, but, um, yeah, anyway, so it it inspired me in multiple ways, um, from Mm. a, a professional standpoint. And then also to balance kind of a morbid interest with a genuine desire to not be a morbid human, you know? Um, so, That was a that was a really good <clears throat> sorry that was a really good book that um, I, I also read that um, and that's so interesting that um, something so young I guess inspires your whole life which is um, I always envy people I guess who kind of know what they wanted to as when they're kids yeah it's been a winding road I have taken detours um, mm-hmm. but that has been the thread you know all along so mm-hmm. yeah, it is it's fortunate yeah. Um, so how do you define household management? Well, for me, I would say that household management kind of begins and ends with everyone and everything tucked in and safe. And so, but I think that perspective goes beyond what we normally think of. Um, because if you mind your budget, you're safe financially. And if you create a welcoming environment where people feel at home and comfortable, then you're safe emotionally. And if you go the extra step and you lock the door, so you're at an alarm, then you're safe physically. And so then I think you've just got it all 
uh, tied up really nicely, um, little safe bundle. <laughs> that's really nice. That's and that's quite different from other other ones we've had, other um, explanations. Um, but what are some misconceptions about household management? I think there is a, well for me there was a misconception that at some point maybe you're done or you take a step back um and it's it's over i did it uh but it, it's really more of a consistent state of of being constant diligence is required not to a way that has to be exhausting but i think that accepting and understanding that um you always need to be minding the house minding the household minding your life you will have a happier, more pleasant existence if you do that. Yes, um, I guess the house and our lives are always changing and always <laughs> shifting. Um, and therefore, we have to shift the management as well at the same time. Precisely, yes. Um, so what's a home security system? Home security system is basically a, uh, connect, a system of connected devices that are connected to an alarm, something that's going to raise, you know, the alert if something goes wrong. And these days that can include everything from um, motion sensors to cameras um, to the smoke alarm in your house can be connected to that as well. Uh, so it's really been interesting, the evolution, I think, of home security systems. But the lock on your door is the first part of that, but you can really expand it and take advantage of adding that alarm element. Okay, and why why do we need it? For me, it goes back to being proactive versus being reactive to some degree. And people, I know people who've gotten home security systems for different reasons. Usually, there's going to be some kind of a, a life change that's happened. You got married, you got a new baby, um, your kids moved out of the house, or you moved out on your own, and now you live alone, and there's no one else looking out for the security anymore. It's on you. Um, my neighbors had a break-in and instantly got a big old system uh, installed the very next day. They hadn't done it before. So unfortunately, most people do get a home security system after someone already got into their home. And when you're doing it at that point, it's to feel safe again, because your whole sense of security has been violated by this breach, you know, and you want to put up those barriers and those protections that weren't there to feel safer again. But if you do those in advance, there you're just putting up more barriers for a criminal or a bad actor to cross. And people do think twice. Burglars in particular, they don't want to have trouble. They don't want to have a confrontation with you. They want to get in and get out, get their goods, you know, make their score with as little uh, trouble as possible. So signs of a security system that can warn you that they're there, that can call the police, that can capture them um, on video. These are all things that really do deter them or make them think twice and maybe pick a different home. So you did mention quite a few different um, types of home security. So do you, and being proactive. So how do you know what you need? Um, like, you know, if I install a fire alarm, it's not going to stop the burglars coming in. Um, right. But like, then do I, should I have the whole nine yards of my security system? I guess, yeah. How much do you need? Well, I think you need very little on the, for the basics to have the security that makes sense. You want to have a reliable 
lock and a sturdy door. You're going to start with that, you know, um, and then, you know, it, it builds from there. I, there are some questions I ask people first. What is it that you want to protect? That's the first thing to think about. Are you protecting people, pets, property, some combination of all of those? But what's the number one thing you want to protect? Because that's going to change the types of devices that you want to add. And then I think the next question is, where do you want to protect them? Do you want to protect them inside the home? Do you want to protect them outside the home? Do you want to be alerted of what's coming in and out of the home? Or do you have a vacation property? Or do you have um, my grandmother, we mentioned her, living remotely somewhere who needs extra help now, someone else that I want to keep an eye on that's remote and far away from me. So once you answer the what you want to protect, where you want to protect it, consider budget. I don't, I always say, don't risk financial insecurity to have home security. Don't get caught up in all the bells and whistles. There are so many things. It's so easy to go crazy and you just really don't need everything if you've identified what you're trying to accomplish. And once you've done that, it's easy to narrow down what you need. Do you want an alarm that's going to go off and be loud and alert the neighbors or possibly scare off, you know, an intruder? Do you want motion sensors for different things? Do you have a dog that escapes? You want to know if he's left the front door or left, you know, breached the gate. Um, uh, so is there things that you want to catch on camera? Do you have a lot of deliveries that come to your home? Do you want to see when packages are coming so that you have that alert and you can make sure they get kept taken by the right people before they get taken by the wrong people, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and then you're figuring out, I want an alarm. I want a motion sensor that lets me know action, you know, in that front doorway and maybe the back doorway. Um, I want a video doorbell camera because I want to see if packages are arriving or who's at the front door. Um, and then, you know, I want to be able to check in on it when I'm not at home and see what's going on and get remote alerts, you know, and so that you can get a very simple system that way um, and that you can monitor yourself if you have those remote alerts or that you can have monitored professionally, which I'm always going to recommend. That is the safest, most proactive way to go. Um, only because it puts gives you backup, you know, mm -hmm. but. So, yeah, there are a lot of different types of security systems. Um, how do you, so, yeah, you mentioned, um, yeah, you've got different types of homes and different types of things. So I guess if I was, you know, just in my apartment, um, it's pretty far away from the road. I just want to stop people from coming in. What would you recommend there? There are some cool things that I love that are for apartment living. And I've done a lot of, um, I've lived in a bunch of different houses recently, um, which helps for being able to test security for all sorts of different uh, residences. Um, there are peephole cameras, actually, that you just affix on the inside if your door has a peephole, depending on what type of apartment you have. And that gives you kind of like that broad view of what's going on in the hall. So you actually see more. Um, but again, it can give you that remote thing if someone's at your door when you're not at home or, you know, if you're luxuriating in the bath or something like that, you don't have to run out. Um, but there's also some what are called all-in-one systems, and it's a security system in a security camera. And there's a company called Canary that has my favorite one. Abode also has them. And um, it's a security camera, but also has like climate control sensors. It listens for things like if the smoke alarm is to go off um, and it can do depending on the size of an apartment. I lived in an apartment where it's have a whole entire living space, the kitchen, the dining, 
and the living space and like the door front door and my bedroom door. Um, and it recorded the cat jumping uh, up and down on things. Um, you could see who came in and out of the, of the room. Um, and so that's, that's a good solution. And it had a built-in alarm, like 150 decibel alarm. Um, and you could also opt to have it monitored. So you could have, and this is something that if you're in an apartment complex, which I was at the time, you don't have to go through the rigmarole of getting permission and making sure you're not violating some kind of a thing because it's sort of taking place within your living area. So what kind of issues can you have in an apartment? Um, you said with the, I mean, with installing security systems. So you said that um, sometimes the apartment complex can have issues with what you're installing. The two biggest ones would be if you're installing security cameras in areas that they don't want you to install a security camera. So in a lot of times that would be public areas, which most laws allow public places where you have no expectation of privacy to be, um, you know, filmed or whatever, but different, they kind of become private residences where people are living, you know, and it's like a community. So that might be something that's against the rules, which is why having stuff inside that you can do from inside your apartment is best. And then you don't want to get anything that you have to drill into the walls. We all know the, that challenge when we are renting but the really really cool thing is diy home security systems like simply safe there are so many that are out there they use um like command strip type things that adhere to the wall so all of your um, equipment and uh, sensors and everything can just be stuck on the wall in a non-damaging way um then you can just take them with you when you go and there's no evidence that they were ever there and so that's really that's really convenient for renters for sure Plus, when you move, you can take the whole thing with you rather than having to leave it behind if it's too heavy or something. Absolutely. Definitely. And you've invested in it already. And so mm -hmm. it's great to be able to just take it to the next place. So you also mentioned um, like monitored and unmonitored security systems. Um, and you said that monitored is, monitored is best. Um, so can you sort of explain the difference between the two a bit more? Yes. So a monitored home security system has trained professionals that are in a monitoring center um, that are basically keeping an eye on your house and what's going on. Some people get nervous about that. Like, can they see my cameras? Like, are they spying on me? They're just monitoring sensors. It's a dispatch, you know, sort of thing like you would have with uh, 911 in the U.S. or 999. I don't know all of the emergency systems, but <laughs> you get the idea, or fire dispatch, things like that. So they'll see that something, something's been triggered at your house that is unusual. And so what they're going to do next is check in at the house or tr try to contact you, either through a panel with a two-way um, microphone, or they are going to text or call you on your phone mm -hmm. and say, hey, the alarm is going off is this real? Is there, so they're going to verify the emergency. And then you can either say, oh my gosh, no, my kid forgot the code and they're visiting to do their laundry and you know, whatever. Um, and you can give, and then you're going to have to give them a code so that they will call off the thing and they mm -hmm. won't call, you know, the um, emergency responders. Um, but the other cool thing is you can have different codes. So like if someone had broken into your home, if it's a home invasion situation, you're there and the invaders are there and they call you, you can give them a duress code 
that means so it's going to appear the same way to an intruder that you're giving the disarm code, but it tells them, no, we are in trouble. You need to send help. Um, and it will all happen silently. And, but the help will, will be coming anyway. So that is cool. And also a lot of systems cannot, they are also connected to like your smoke uh, fire alarm or CO alarms. So they will listen. The, you'll have a monitor connected to the security system that listens for those alarms. And if it hears those alarms, it also checks in to say, hey, and this is very helpful, especially if you are not at home and your fire alarm is going off, um, they're on it as soon as it's happening and they can call for help much, much faster than it might take for you to get home, for neighbors to notice smoke or flames. you know. And so it's just having that extra backup. Again, it's that most proactive thing that you can do. On the other hand, unmonitored, or what I typically call self-monitored, because um, completely unmonitored would just be something, I would say, that's like a tripwire or something where a big siren would go off and make noise, <laughs> or like a car alarm, maybe. You mm-hmm. know? It's not going to do anything else but make noise, um, which those are out there, if that's all you want. But a self-monitored system is usually, you can do all the same things that the monitoring center does through an app or through your phone. Um, and you're just not going to be paying for the extra monitoring and you're the one who's going to have to make the call for help. Um, mm. and so that's okay. But it's like, if I'm in a big meeting and I've turned off all of my notifications or, so, or like right now, I'm not getting any notifications. I would be asleep on the job, so to speak, you know, and, and so you have that margin of error. Again, security systems are a lot like insurance in a way you don't, you need them when you need them. And otherwise they're just there for like peace of mind or that reassurance, you know, being responsible. But if something's happened and you don't have them, you know, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess if you have a camera, you can at least use it also to see your pets. Absolutely. And you can see all the naughty things they do. Yes. They are always on the sofa. He is always on my feet. Fa- favorite chair. That's why there's fur on that pillow. Um, you get the proof of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, but I guess with monitoring, yeah, it would be, I guess you have to pay money for that. So I guess you have you to like weigh up the cost versus the mm-hmm. um, self-monitored security system. Mm. Yeah. So that's part of the budget consideration, you know, and give it can also be really annoying to figure out the alerts if you need to tone them down because if you have things on high sensitivity, you're going to get pinged all the time. And um, which mm. I don't care if the monitoring center is getting pinged all the time, <laughs> but uh, you know, however, it is okay for you to do it on your own. If that's what's in your budget, it's better to do that than to decide to do nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And I guess it depends on how, much of a target and how worried you are, I guess, about your, um, about where you live, for example. Yeah. Um, my, we weren't particularly worried about my apartment until we got my pet, uh, my cat. Uh, we were just like, well, if someone breaks in and steals all our stuff, that's going to suck. But we don't have anything that's that precious anyway. But now we're like, the cat, we can't let the cat out. <laughs> what are going to do? Um, you're absolutely right. Pets make a difference. Mm, I guess, is there like a specific 
monitoring system for pets? Because I know that my dad in his house, he's got a, um, one of the ones that sense things moving, so he can't turn it on mm. when their dog's at home. Um, oh. That's such a great question. There are pet-friendly um, motion sensors that, depending on the size of the animal, they usually are going to detect the weight of whatever's moving around. And so if you have, um, most often they'll go up to like 45 pounds. So a pet that's 45 pounds or under um, won't be detected. They're only going to detect, you know, bigger mass. Um, you can also put a, a, a motion sensor in a higher position where it's mm -hmm. not going to catch every little thing that um, the animal is doing. And that's something that, that can help do that as well. But it's become more and more popular to have that uh, the pet-friendly sensors so that, again, yeah, you're not getting pinged every single time, you know, the dog wags his tail. <laughs> that explains how my brother was able to break into our old house as kids through a window and crawl along the ground until he got to the alarm system no to turn it off. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. Wow. Yeah. The parent, oh, wow. That's funny. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. It's very Just hard because you can't discriminate yeah, sorry. between the dogs and the, the brothers. It's hard to tell the difference sometimes. I know. They're very <laughs> similar sizes. <laughs> um, so... What about home security cameras? Um, I guess they would be, you have to monitor them all the time, wouldn't you? Because they, they wouldn't have an alarm associated with them? That's correct. Most of them don't. There are some that do. Um, some, I think Ring and a couple other you know, familiar names like that have some cameras that do have a siren that you can add on to it, um, which is something to look out for. I always say if you can only add one piece of home security, make it a camera, make it an outdoor camera or a video doorbell camera, because keeping an eye on that main entrance to your home is going to be the most helpful if you just for convenience sake and for things like packages or like who's at the door and I want to pretend I'm not home or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, but it also, it's giving you the most intelligence, the most information about what's going on. And so I would always vote for getting some kind of a camera over getting just like an alarm and sensors. Mm -hmm. I, because that alarm is going to make noise and go off, but you can't see what's happening or why it went off. So the camera mm -hmm. gives you more information. And if you get a camera with a two-way talk, that's mm -hmm. almost as good as a siren because you can try to scare them off yourself or engage with them or see what's going on. And they don't know where you're talking to them from. It could be across town out to dinner or it could be in the kitchen, you know, grabbing a snack. Um, they don't know. And so if you're engaging with them, they might want to run off. Mm. But um, so where do you, I guess if, if someone was going to break in, where do they generally try? Because I imagine they wouldn't be coming through the front door. So a front door camera wouldn't be so useful in that situation. Interestingly, and the stats that I know the most about, obviously, are in the U.S., um, but the majority of burglars come through the front or the back door. 
they are walking through an unlocked door into your home. And so you are right. The front door seems less optimal because it is in the front. And so there's more exposure there. Um, but it is surprising. I, I always recommend when you're deciding that you're going to add security, what you want to look at is every ground floor level access point. Or, and again, if you have like a deck or something with stairs that also is an access point that's on a higher level, that also is something that needs to be protected. So you've got to look at windows that could be opened and crawled through like your brother did <laughs> and doors that could be opened and uh, doors to garages, doors to, you know, the uh, back door of the home. Those are pretty common, especially a sliding glass door. Those are easy to get into, um, even if you have locks on them. Uh, so I do think, yeah, I put a doorbell camera actually on my niece's back door um, just a few weeks ago as I just, I had one because I test a lot of products and um, they had something they were afraid was happening. They have a shed back there and they thought someone was trying to get into it or um, squat in there and live in, in there. And she has like a distant relative that is trouble and, and does that. He's been going mm -hmm. around to everyone's house. And so we put that video doorbell camera up on their backyard and it's working perfectly um, exactly the same way. And it was where they needed it. So you could use the same technology and just put it in the place where you think it'll do the most good. Mm. Um, so would you recommend like glass break detectors or like door and window um, sensors? Yes. I love glass break detectors because they sense the vibrations um, and the glass, it's not just the shattering of the glass, um, which is also helpful. If you have an, uh, an Amazon Echo device, if you talk to Alexa, warning everybody, um, there is a <laughs> there called Alexa Guard that can listen for things like glass breaking or your smoke alarm going off and give you an alert. But the glass break sensors go for vibration and not just sound. So you can get while someone is tampering, while someone is working on coming in. So I like glass break sensors. Um, I have in a few homes, I've noticed heavy footfalls and things like that can trigger them. So you need to be aware of that. And with placement, that's where like professional placement is helpful for those because they know all the secrets to not, you know, like I said, not make the dog activate it and not make my walking to get a midnight snack alert the whole world. Um, and the window and door sensors are helpful because they let you know if something's being opened. Um, and, and you can buy some of these, you can just buy on their own. You can get them for 20, $25 a piece, monitor it yourself. And it's that little extra knowledge. And if you have a different or very specific problem, like teenagers that you're worried about sneaking out to go to the party, I, I like them for that reason. I, mm -hmm. I wish I'd had more of this stuff at my fingertips when my kids were teenagers. I would have really been able to booby trap them. Uh, <laughs> but um, that's a simple and easy way uh, to get some information and mm -hmm. um, know what's going on. But would that, would it be annoying if they went off every time you like opened the window for some air or can you change them around? You can, you can change it's tricky with window sensors and like door sensors and it has been annoying. I've had that problem when I've been testing things. Mm -hmm. um, but you can usually adjust the sensitivity. Um, uh -huh. So, but it's something you have to go manually do in the app 
if you know there's going to be a lot of action on the window. And so if in that case, what I suggest doing is just like in your nightly routine as you're going around the house, turning off lights, checking that windows are locked and doors are locked, then arm the sensors at that time. They don't mm. have to be on 100% of the time. They can be armed when you're most vulnerable or when you're most concerned. Mm. And so that would just be another extra step that you would take. But it's pushing okay. a button in an app. It's pretty simple. Okay, that sounds easy. Um, so you mentioned before that things like um, smart home devices, um, the ones that talk to you, uh, they can control everything. But does that mean that they can be hacked easily? Could someone just go in, you know, from your house, yell, you know, Alexa, turn off the alarms and the house would turn off? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, most security systems that do work with a voice assistant um, do not allow the system to be deactivated by voice. And so you have to use a different method. Um, and it, it is for that very reason. Um, when it comes to hacking, your home security system being hacked is as vulnerable as everything else in your house being hacked. So make sure that you put the right defenses on your home network and your home router. Start there. And you know, don't use the same password for every account. Don't use the same password for every device. I know it's hard. I hate it. But if they can hack your system, they can, they have access to everything. And so you've just got to do those simple things. And, you know, don't use the name that comes with the router and that initial like security key. Always change those up. And I've seen people create names like unhackable or come and get me. Don't tempt them either because that could just be a fun challenge and it's just not worth it. So be very boring, but um, also, and don't give them clues. Like if you really are a fan of a certain show um, and so you name your network, you know, X-Files network or whatever. And then all of my, like my past phrase is I want to believe, um, that's bad. That's easy to guess. Like someone mm -hmm. is, these hackers are much smarter than I'd like them to be. So use, you always start with your Wi-Fi network is your first line of defense. And if your security system is on it, it is as vulnerable as, as that. So you've got to start from the ground up there. Okay. Fair enough. I think I need to change my internet <laughs> uh, name. <laughs> it's too easy to guess. Probably. Um, so What's something that you do in your own life to um, manage your home security? One of the favorite things that I like to do, and I'm not as regimented as I would like to be, but I think that it's really important if you live in a household with others, um, whether it's roommates or whether it's family, to um, get together probably once a month and review all of your like emergency planning, whether it's for if the smoke alarm went off or if there was a break-in, if there's a water problem, um, there's a variety of things, you know, that can go on um, in a household. And if you have a security system, this is the time also to make sure everybody knows how to arm and disarm it. Everybody knows what the passphrases are, if you need to turn it off, or if you need to have that duress code. And just doing that reminder, it's like having a fire drill, but a much bigger drill for the whole home. And it feels like, oh my gosh, but the reason you do drills and the reason you practice is to create a sort of muscle memory because when the scary thing is happening, you know, we're going to fight 
flight or freeze mode, right? But if we've practiced it and we know there's a plan and we know what to do, we're far more likely to get out of it in good shape, the best shape that we can. And so it sounds tedious, but I strongly recommend it. Um, yeah, I was wondering, how do you remember if you've got two types of codes, one's a duress code and one is your normal code, I would get so nervous about mixing them up. Right. You're calling for help when it's just grandma stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you do the drill. Exactly. So that's, that's good. I, I think I need to do that um, in my own home because I worry about what would happen if there was a fire in my house. And how do you get we, the cat? What exactly. is the process for getting the cat out? Because that's going to yeah. be very important to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I do worry about that actually. So I'll need to <laughs> practice, but maybe not with the actual cat because he would be very confused. <laughs> so um, is there anything that, you know, you wanted to talk about that we've missed? Oh, boy. <laughs> Now, I feel like this has been um, pretty thorough, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think the thing, again, just to go back to basics, what do you want to protect? Where do you want to protect it? How do you want to protect it? And then take that inventory. I've got this many doors, this many windows. I want to, to make sure I have mobile app access. You know, you'll create that checklist, and that will keep you from going bananas um, if you're talking to someone who sells security systems because they're going to scare you and tell you absolutely everything that's vulnerable and you'll be spending so much more money than you need to be spending. So uh, I guess I just like people, again, it's like a drill. Know what you want to do, know how much you can spend and stick to it <laughs> before you're in the conversation. And hopefully before you've had that break in, because like I said, my neighbors went from a $200, like simply safe self system to a $6,000 Vivint home security system overnight because they mm -hmm. had a scary break in. Mm. I guess, how do you know as well what crime is happening in your area? Like, um, is that something that you should know that there are a lot of break-ins or that there are pet kidnappings, that type of thing? I think it is very helpful to know, but I always caution people to understand how that information is going to affect you because if it's the sort of thing that makes you feel less secure to just know that things are happening you need to manage how you're taking in that information because being terrified and anxious and paranoid is not helpful and isn't you're not living a happy safe life that way um, but i use a lot of apps um next door app um for my neighborhood area. And so you can you get information about what's going on. Um, the Ring Neighbors app, which is from the Ring company, but you don't have to have a camera to use it. And you can get lots of insight that way. I think that get to know your neighbors, um, talk to them, find out who they are. And once you talk to each other, like without, when we had the break-in in our neighborhood, we learned there'd been two other break-ins. Like we all started talking to each other after the fact, it's so much better for us to talk to each other, you know, earlier and, and keep an eye out, you know, mm -hmm. and um, let people know what's going on so we can be extra diligent. Um, like I wasn't putting, you know, the rod in the sliding glass door every single night. Well, they got in through her sliding glass door. So the rod is back in, you know, you, you get lax about things when you're feeling safe and you should feel safe, but best practices are 
our best practices for a reason. So I think use technology and use in-person help. You can also, local uh, police also have um, community liaisons and community resources, and they can give you a, a sane sense of what's happening in your neighborhood, what the real risks are. Again, most crime is property crime which is still scary, but most crime is not out to like hurt you physically, mm. hurt you in the middle of the night. You know, crime happens because of opportunity and crime happens because of the benefit that the criminal is going to get from it with as little risk to themselves as possible. So vandalism, robbery, you know, burglary, things getting stolen off porches, the bicycle in the front yard, you know, those are the things that are probably going to be happening most often. Um, but you can reach, re- out to local law enforcement and they can help keep you apprised, do a little neighborhood watch meeting or something, help, you know, share, depending on what's going on, you know, there are different levels of safety when unsafe things happen or crime happens near us, we get more aware of it and more unsettled. And so taking action puts that sense of control back in place. So we also have some questions from the audience. Um, So our first question is, um, so if you own a home that's only occupied for part of the year, what are some extra security steps that you should take? It's interesting because there are multiple things to consider because I think that um, when I first started working with security systems, just um, the traditional idea of burglary or someone breaking in or someone wanting to enjoy your lovely home when you're not in it because they know it's a vacation home um, was important. And so a video camera was a a good idea for that Um, with extreme weather events happening more often, whether it's flooding, wind, fire, um, that sort of risk of damage to the home. Uh, Cameras have been very helpful for people also to see what the real threat is to their other residents and to be able to make plans and take action or I guess maybe make an insurance claim because you caught it on video. Uh, So I I think a a camera that you have remote access to that you can view and that can give you alerts, um, I think that's a smart choice. Hmm. I guess you don't need to go too overboard um, because you're probably not going to be keeping all of your really expensive items there. Right. But you might, you never know if it's like a family house and you know, there's things that have high sentimental value I would say very basic alarm system if you want to add that probably with a door sensor on the main entrances and an alarm that's going to go off. Um, so you could call. I don't know that you'd want it monitored unless it was very full of a lot of valuables. Yeah. Um, what are what is the most important tool for home ownership? Tool for home ownership: a good down payment and a high credit score. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I think yeah. Um, most important security tool, maybe. Under, sorry. Oh, I went straight to the finances. Um, <laughs> I think I like having a camera. And if you can get a camera, and there are so many of these basic security systems right now that will give you an alarm, give you like two window door sensors, a motion sensor you can put in a high traffic area. They're often throwing in a free camera that you can place um, inside or outside. And so a very small setup like that is gonna give you everything you need, very basic level, entry level type security, but it's it's going to be a step above just moving into the house and changing the locks. 
And what other tips would you give homeowners um, for, to, to make their home safe? Yes, I would actually um, make sure that I talk to so many people who the windows in their homes don't lock. The locks don't work. The locks are broken or they're not effective. Um, locking windows is so important. And I love a fresh breeze. And I hate that I have to lock and unlock the window every time I want that. But it is the right thing to do because it's an easy entry point. Um, and I th so I think, you know, shore up the things that are already there that come with your house to make it safe. If you have a sliding glass door, add extra security to that door. If there's one door in your home that you're going to add a standalone door sensor to, that's the one I would do it. Put the rod in there and they have extra, um, extra kind of specially made locks for those to add extra security because those are very, very high risk. And what about um, for garages? Like, do you have any security um, tips for garages, um, particularly, I guess, ones that aren't attached to the main home? Yes, that's a really um, a good thing to bring up. I would say that if there is any outbuildings, including a garage, that have important um, tools in them, have valuables in them, your vehicles, things that you're storing, um, yeah, I would say you want a reinforced door on there to make sure it's not just a plywood door that would be easy to break through. And then you want to reinforce the lock. So I'd say the door and the lock should be reinforced. And you can also, you can get cameras that can cover a wide amount of your property so you can see what's going on there. And all this, there are specific garage door sensors, but you can also use regular door sensors and regular contact sensors. So you don't really need to upgrade um, unless you want it to be connected to give you an alert Yo, the garage door is open. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I think um, particularly if it's not attached to the home, it can be very hard to actually keep an eye on it. Um, but we do keep lots of things in there, or I certainly do. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, and like with my niece, she was afraid that someone was getting into it to kind of like mm. sleep for the night and whatnot, you know, so that's another good reason um, to reinforce, you know, the security mm. there. Yeah. Um, so we also have a chance to talk uh, about um, something you're passionate about in our open mic section. So um, did you have a uh, topic that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I thought I could talk about cooking. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously you have to be safe in the kitchen, but I like to, uh, cooking is one of my, it's like my favorite thing. If I could retire and just cook, that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> Do you like like cooking like dinners and meals or are you more of a dessert cake person? I've only started dabbling in desserts in the past few years. And what's been really fun there is I um, worked when I used to go into the office regularly. I worked with people with a lot of different dietary preferences or needs. And so I started experimenting with making paleo versions of desserts and keto versions of desserts using all different kinds of flowers and sweeteners and leavening uh, vegan desserts. And so I kind of learned there's a science to baking. And the science part is what scared me because it's like chemistry. It has to be precise. I asked to be transferred out of chemistry when I was in that class in school. Um, but when you understand the principles of why it does what it does and how things could substitute, um, that's very fascinating. But usually I like to make a fabulous dinner that will take me all day to cook. Very intensive sauces and things that take a lot of time and patience so that you can sip a bottle of wine while you're cooking it all day and then 
share it with everybody. Yeah, I love doing that too. What do you like about that? Is it the sort of the giving aspect or like the meditative aspect? I thought about this uh, because for a lot of years I worked in, like I said, I managed colleges. I worked, I was man, I was with people all the time. It was just like nonstop and nothing was ever finished because you're never finished with people, right? It's like the household management, it never ends. It mm-hmm. continues. And so cooking for me became something that I could begin and end. I, I, there was a sense of satisfaction of finishing something, having a result that was very obvious for my work. Writing is much closer to that, obviously. Um, but, and I do, I love to share it. I love to share it with everyone. And, uh, the, and the meditation too, it's the only time my brain zones out and I'm not thinking about 25 different things. I'm just thinking about the sauce. How does it taste? What is that missing thing to just top off that, you know, flavor profile? Um, it's fun. Mm. So, um, I guess what is something that you've cooked recently? Well, last night when I, I was visiting one of my best friends and, um, her husband and sons made a request for, uh, lasagna, which is not, you know, a fancy thing, but I do have a lasagna that can take you almost all day to make. And so that's the lasagna that I did. And just building that, the meat sauce part of it, it's, um, it's so good. And so I made that lasagna with a homemade uh, Caesar salad. Um, that's also very popular. People like these things and they feel like they're very difficult to make. So they're easily impressive because they're not really hard to make. You just, mm-hmm. you know, have the patience to do it. Um, so I made, I made that yesterday and it, it did come off well. <laughs> mm, delicious. I do love a good lasagna, but what puts me off is, is how much time it takes. Cause you've got to make like two or three separate things, um, yes. which always puts me off. Well, that's why you have to plan for it. So they requested it a few days prior. So I knew that's what I was going to do on, uh, on that day. Yeah. <laughs> so if our listeners want to find out more about you, um, where should they go? Um, safewise.com is our website. Um, and you can go to ask safewise on Instagram and TikTok and uh, Facebook, we're, we're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Great. And we'll make sure um, that those links are in our show notes so people can find them easily. Um, thank you so much for coming and talking to me about home safety. I have learned so much. I'm going to go home and um, put a camera in or, or something, maybe some sensors in the door. <laughs> Change that password. That, that's the easiest one. I'll do that one first. <laughs> There you go. Thank you so much. You've been listening to On The House, produced by the Household Management Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes like this from across 10 life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and any other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, sharing, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people to find it so we can grow and continue to bring you quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, hm.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.